If you have your Bible, turn with me in your Bible to the book of Joel, J-O-E-L, Joel. We're going to look, be looking at chapter 2. Joel, chapter 2. When you have it, say amen. Joel chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verse 25. Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 25. And the reading of God's word says, And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worms and the caterpillars and the pummel worms, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am the in, that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Hold your finger right there and turn with me to Philippians. Chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at one verse in chapter 1 of Philippians. Philippians 
Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verse number 6. And it reads, being confident of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to use for a subject matter this morning, God is a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. You know, it's so often in life that each and every one of us go through situations that to us is a rough kind, tough kind. We go through situations where things can get really hard and difficult. We can go through them times where it seems like our backs against the wall, so to speak. And not knowing which way we're going to turn, how we're going to handle what we're going through, the difficult moments that we're faced with, it's just that situation is just something that at that time in life, we're just saying, I need some help. And oftentimes when we go through those type of situations where we come upon that, we, we usually have someone that's close to us, a friend. There might be someone that, that's a loved one. Might be one of those people that's a family member that's close to us that usually always says, I'll help you. Or they'll say to you, what do you need? I'll be there. Just tell me what you want and I'll be there. Just, I'm, I'm right there for you, whatever it is that you need. And then what we find out when, when that situation goes through like that, when it's actually time for them to do what they say they're going to do, they ain't never there. And we sit up and we're asking ourselves the question, what happened? They promised me that they'd be there to help me out in this situation. What, what am I going to do with all of this that I'm going through? And does anybody keep their promises anymore? Well, I got an answer for that question for you. God is a promise keeper. Amen. Amen. In our text this morning, in, in the book of Joel, it says in verse 25 of our reading, it says that God said that he would restore you. That's a promise that God has for the lives of 
his people that he will restore you. Meaning that God will keep his promise. So as I was looking at this, I was, I was saying, Lord, in this book of Job, where is the promise in this book? And he took me to the beginning of the book. And, and when you look at what it says in the beginning, it talks about this nation of Jerusalem. It talks about this nation of Judah. And what it was saying about this nation of Judah was that it was a blessed nation. It was a prosperous nation. It was a nation that God had just bountifully prospered and blessed. And, and the reason why it said that is because Joel opened the book by saying this in, in chapter 1 around verse 3. He said, Has it been a day in your life? Has it been a day in the lives of your fathers that you've ever seen that was like this? And what he was saying to them was, here this prosperous nation is that was so blessed by God, and he said, look at it. Everything's gone. He said, the fig trees, all the fig trees, they gone. All the grapevines that were full of all the bountiful grapes, he said, they're gone. He said, the olive trees that were bringing all the olive oil and a blessing to the nation, he said, it's gone. Everything about the nation that God blessed, he said, everything is gone. And then as I, as I read and, and I, I looked at what that verse was saying, it, it, it took me right to verse 25 at the end of the chapter, and it says, that God sent the destruction. He said that he sent the locusts. And when the, and when the locusts ate so much and got full, then he sent the caterpillars. And when the caterpillars ate and got full, then he sent the canker worms. And when the canker worms ate and got full, then he sent the plumber worms. But what he did was he made sure that everything about the devastation that was on this blessing that he sent was gone. And the Bible says that he did that because the people of Jerusalem and the people of Judea was harming the people of God. 
the people of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, were scattering God's inheritance. And when we look at it from what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Bible says that God is not slacked on his promises. That, that, thing, that, that verse of scripture says that God is not slacked on his promises, but is long-suffering. He, he long-suffered these people messing with the people of God for a long period of time, and when he had enough of it, he sent the destruction. But he said, not willing that any should perish. That was not God's desire that anybody in that nation would perish. But he said, but that all should come to repentance. That was the reason for the destruction. That the people that were doing wrong to God's people will repent for their wrongdoing. That's what God wanted the people of Jerusalem to do, to repent. Admit that they were doing wrong. Admit that what they were doing to God's people was the wrong thing and turn. That's what repentance means, ladies and gentlemen. It means that I'm going in the wrong direction, and when I know that I'm doing wrong, turn around and do it God's way. And he said, if you do that, if you turn around and do it my way, he said, I'll make everything all right again. Amen? Amen. See, God is not slack on his promises. And as I said in the title, God is a promise keeper. And the promise of God began before the world was even formed. God had the promise for you before he even formed the world. God had the promise in, in, in order for, for me before the world even began. And he had everybody's promise for what their life would be like before the world began. He told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I adorned you a prophet for a nation before you were even born. Each one of you, there's a promise of God on your life that God knows what he wants for you and he knew what that promise was. He knew what you were going to be, what you were going to do before the foundation of the world even began. But because of how this promise is manifested, God can't deviate from his promise. 
that that he ordained for you to do from the very foundation of the world. He can't deviate from it. He can't change it. It's, it's set. It's an order that's already been manifested. And, and God is going to do what God has to do to keep that promise intact. And whatever it is that he's doing to make sure that promise comes forth, it might be a little uncomfortable for you. But God is not going to change what he has already put in order for the promise of your life. And see, that's why things get a little strange to you. Because God is in the midst of manifesting his promise in your life. That's why it seems like there's a struggle going on sometimes. Because God's in the midst of molding you to be a part of that promise that he already put in order. And the reason why this promise takes us to those kind of situations where we go through some things, we, we go through challenges, because as I read in, in the text of Philippians 1 and 6, it says that he which has begun a good work in you, which is the promise, he will perform it. That means whatever he has to do to perform the promise, he's going to do. Whatever changes he has to make in, in that journey that you feel you're doing is the right thing, if it's not according to the promise, because see, he has to perform the promise, because that's the way he ordained it from the very foundation of the world. And no matter how long that process takes, God is going to perform his promise. Because, as we said, God is a promise keeper. Now, now when I say no matter how long that it takes that, God uses to perform this promise. I was listening to a message that kind of blessed me as far as how this manifestation came about. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, where God is talking to Abram, and he says, Get thee and your kindred out of this land, and go to a place that I have prepared for you to go. And the Bible says he, he went to where God had sent him to go. And, and in the promise that he gave him, he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. That was the promise. And the Bible says that Jumping over to Genesis chapter 16. The Bible says that his wife, Sarai, 
She said, oh, uh, I'm barren. It ain't no way that this promise that you're going to be the father of many nations is going to come to pass. So why don't you go in and sleep with Hagar and let's bring this promise to pass. So he, he agreed to what his wife told him to do. He went in, he slept with Hagar, and she got pregnant and was having Ishmael. And at the end of chapter 16, at verse 16, God shows up on the scene. And says, your wife, Sarah, he said, one year from the day, she's going to give birth. And this child is coming out. I want you to name his name Isaac. And, and at this point, Abraham is saying, I'm 86 years old. You, you going to have me to have a baby now? I mean, look at my wife. She old too. You gonna bring a, a, a make us have a baby now? And the Bible says that in the beginning of chapter seventeen, that God came to Abram. And he said he was confirming what he had told him. But, but here's the kicker about what goes on. The Bible says that at the end of 16 and 16, the Bible says that Abraham was 86 years old. And at the beginning of chapter 17, the Bible says that Abraham was 99 years old. So from the end of 16, that little white place right there in the middle that goes into chapter 17, 13 years later, Abraham ain't heard nothing from God. Ain't nothing happening as far as what's going on with God. And God shows up on the scene and says, okay, one year from the day, Sarah's going to have her baby. And this again was the time that he was saying, I'm 99 years old. We're going to have a baby now? But when we really look at what the text is saying, the Bible says that we went through chapter 17, we went through chapter 18, we went through chapter 19, we went through chapter 20, and the beginning of chapter 21 says, Sarah conceived. So we went through 17, 18, 19, 20 chapters, the 20th chapter of Genesis in one year. And in that one year, 
she conceived the baby and called his name Isaac. And the Bible says that Abraham circumcised the child as God had told him to do. Now, the reason why I tell you this story is, is, is because of this. There's some things that happen in this process. He says, in this process, God changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. This process means that there was a character change that God had to do in Abram to get him ready for what he was getting ready to do in his life. At the same time, he did the same thing to his wife. He changed her name from Sarai to Sarah because there was a character change that had to be manifested in the lives of them for what he was getting ready to do. And, and, and because of God needing to change the character of us before he brings about the promise, See, God knows you got attitude. And that's the reason why the promise hasn't come forth, because he, he's working on you to change the attitude. God knows that you got a short temper. So he's got to change the attitude inside of you that you will be in line with the promise that he has for your life. God knows that in any given day, Mike Tyson ain't got nothing on some of y'all. Y'all can drop the men, y'all can drop the women, one punch. It's going to make a difference. You know that you can do it. But God says, I've got to change this character in you because what the promise is that I have for you, you can't take these flaws with you because you're not, that's not a part of the promise that I have for you. Oh, yeah. A part of the promise that I have for you, I've got to take all of that fleshly stuff out of you and put that spiritual stuff on the inside of you. And that's the character that God is changing inside of you, that you'll be ready for the promise. So God was doing a character assessment that the glory of God might be manifested. And getting ready for the promise, my question is, what does God have to do to make it where you be ready for the promise. Because see, I, excuse me, I know, let, let me just do it like this according to the way that it was with me. See, I heard the promise. I heard the prophet say that you were going to be a teacher of God that you were going to be a teacher of the word of God. But I kept getting my own self in the way. 
There was a character flaw in me that God had to work on that I would be ready for the promise. Okay? I kept getting upset because everybody would always say to me, you're not ready. But nobody would tell me what I needed to do to get ready. All they just tell me is I'm not ready. So God did something that the Bible says the foolish thing to confound the wise. He sent me 3,000 miles to the other side of the world for somebody to tell me what I needed to do to get ready. See, you're right in the right place for the promise to be spoken to you. The word of God goes forth in a mighty way here that is or getting you ready for the promise of God that's in your life. He's answering the wise in your life. Now, for me, the promise is fulfilled. And if you get in line with what God is doing in your life, the promise of God for your life will be fulfilled. Going back to that, that verse in Philippians 1 and 6, it begins by saying, being confident. See, a lot of the things that, that causes us not to be a part of the promises, not being confident that we're able to be what God has called us to be, to do what God has called us to do. And I know that it's something that, that even I wrestle with because I remember coming to Pastor Lucas right after my ordination and saying to him, did, did you feel like you, you wasn't ready for what happened to you? Did you feel like you wasn't where you were supposed to be yet? And he said, don't let the devil play with your mind like that. <laughs> and, and, so, and so many certain terms, that's what he was saying to me. And, and, and that's what I'm saying to you this morning. Don't let the devil play with your mind according to the promise that's inside of you. There's a promise in you. There's an ordained promise in you by God. And we've got to be confident enough to know that I can do it with God's help. But I've got to get connected to God. I've got to get close to God. I've got to have my relationship with God strong and secure so that vision and that purpose and that promise God has set up for my life can be manifested. And you know, the one thing that, that really touched me about this text when it talked about God coming to Abram and saying that your wife is going to have a baby that it, in one year, that it was an appointed time. 
each one of us have an appointed time for the promise of God to be manifested. And, and if you're getting fights from the enemy over and over and over again, all it's saying is you're close to your appointed time. Your appointed time is right before you. And the enemy is trying to do everything he can to deter you from what God has set in you as the promise of God for your life. You want to you know how I know that? If, if any of you know me, you know that a little over a year ago this time, my foot was swollen up so big I couldn't get a shoe on. Could hardly walk inside the church. Surgery, bandages wrapped all around my leg. But I was faithful. I was saying, God, whatever it is that, that you're going to do to heal this, I, I'm putting it in your hand. But I'm not going to stop being faithful to God because I know that there's something in my life that he wants me to do. There's something in my life that he has set for me to do. And I hobbled my way on in here. I hardly couldn't raise my hand and stand up to give him praise, but I was here. Because I knew that God had something in me, something for me, and I'm not going to let the devil rob me of what it is God has for my life. And each one of you are going through the situation that you're going through because you're close. Because you're right at the verge of the promise. You're right at the verge of the breakthrough. It might be the breakthrough of writing a book. It might be the breakthrough of a new job. It might be the breakthrough of a new house. It might be the breakthrough of, of a new job. It just might be the breakthrough of God prospering you and blessing your life in a profound way. And you just going through all the havoc that the fiery God of hell is throwing at you. But the promise is still there. The promise has not moved. The promise for your life is still active. And all you just got to do is just be faithful to the promise. Don't give up, church. Don't give up. Last time I stood before you, I said that look at our program, and it says in the front of it, press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That word press means that sometimes it's going to get hard. Sometimes it's going to get difficult. Sometimes you ain't going to know which way to turn. But the God says you'll reap if you faint not. Keep going, church. Keep moving forward, church. Keep doing what you're supposed to do for God. If you're supposed to be here on Sunday morning, be here. 
If you supposed to be here on Tuesday night, be here. Press toward the mark of the pride of the high calling of Christ Jesus in your life. Do what God is calling you to do because you're right at the birds of the promise. And if you know nothing else, God is a promise keeper. Do you receive it? Corey, God is a promise keeper. Glory to God.